we are in the middle of chapter 25, and in our last year, Avigail, in English, Abigail, she's just made this awesome speech to David. It's not exactly a speech, it's like a plea, and there's a lot of prophecy in her words, and a lot of wisdom. She went out to intercept David and his men who were on their way to wipe out Naval and the entire household, probably. As David famously said, they're gonna wipe out even the Mashtin Bakir, even the urinators on the wall, the dogs, the males, everybody. And she stops them in their tracks. And she says what she said in verses 24 to 32. That's basically what we learned in the last year. And her basic message was, don't take Naval's words and his actions too seriously. He's a lowlife. He's like that with everybody. It's not just you. So he's not really a rebel against the kingdom or Edba Malchut, if he's like that with everybody. And your job anyway is to fight Milchamot Hashem, the wars of the Lord. That's what you've been doing up to now. That's what you're going to continue to do as the future king of Israel. And your quarrel with Naval, that's not a battle of the Lord. It's not a Milchamot Hashem. And it will be a stain on your record. It will hurt you down the road in all kinds of ways. And we saw her wisdom in the way she related to David's 400 men, the way she sent the food out before making any speeches. In short, we saw all along why she's called in the verses at the beginning, a very wise and beautiful woman. We saw that in all the steps she took. Now we're going to read David's four verse response to what she says to him. And that begins in verse 32. It says like this, For Yomer David la'avigail. And David said to Avigail, Baruch Hashem. Eloke Yisrael, blessed is the God of Israel. Blessed is the Lord who has sent you towards me on this day. So the first thing David does is thank Hashem. He says, Baruch Hashem. The Redak writes, I thank Hashem who put it into your heart to prevent what I was about to do. And Rabbi Kahana explains it like this. It may be so that it's natural to do what Avigail did, to try to prevent the massacre, especially if she's involved. But she could have easily said to herself, I'll never be able to convince David. He'll kill me if I approach him. Let me just get out of here, run for my life. I have no shot. I'm not going to even try to convince him. David is saying, you didn't do that. So David is saying here, Hashem put it in your heart, not to despair. You didn't say all those things. You went out and you gave it your best shot. And Hashem saw your good intentions and he put it in your heart to do this. And when David says, Baruch Hashem, because she needed a lot of siyata deshmaya for this whole thing to ever work out, you had to have a lot of siyata deshmaya. First, you had to somehow find me. It was nighttime. There were mountains all over the place. It's not a given at all that she would have been able to intercept David even if she wanted to. So you needed a lot of heavenly help for them to even meet this night. So much had to fall in place so this can work out. So he's saying, Baruch Hashem on the Siyata Deshmaya that we actually met in the first place. Because if you factor everything in, it was a long shot that you would even find me. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something that the sages say here. They notice, and you can't see this in English, but when it says, and David said to Avigail, in Hebrew, the word Avigail is missing a Yud, so the word looks like not Avigail, but Avigal or Abigail instead of Abigail because that second yud is missing. So the sages say that it's a punishment for Avigail because if you remember, she said at the end of her speech, 
She said at the end of her speech, and when you become king, please remember your maidservant. And it sounds kind of like she was proposing to David, and that's not quite appropriate, not Sanua. And therefore, the letter Yud is knocked off her name here in this verse. Instead of Avigail, it's Avigail. Okay, so let's get back to the Bishat. First thing we saw, David thanks God, and now he'll thank her in verse 33. Baruch ta'amech, Baruch at. So Baruch ta'amech means blessed is your tam, is your advice, or blessed is your judgment or your intelligence. It also could mean, blessed is your tact. Ta'amech, somebody who has tam tov, they have tact. Ubrucha at, and blessed be you. Why are you blessed? For restraining me from doing great harm. So David praises her wisdom and words and the influence that she had on him, and he adds here, Ubrucha at, blessed are you. And in Tractate Megillah, it says that David is saying to Avigail that your wisdom even surpasses your beauty. You are the complete package. And let's finish the verse. Blessed is your judgment. Blessed are you. And then he says, for you have kept me, mi vobedamim, from coming into blood or from spilling a lot of blood this day. The word limnoa means to prevent or to restrain. You restrained me, prevented me from participating in a bloodbath. For Hoshea yadili, and from avenging myself with my own hand. I would have taken vengeance with my own hand. You prevented that. So David's saying that you prevented me from spilling blood with my own hand, taking vengeance, because you were right. Maybe the halacha permits me to do it, if you go by the letter of the law. But it would not have been wise on my part. Rabbi Kahana says that David never meant to kill the household of Naval, but just Naval and the animals. But he anticipated a struggle. Naval's men would have stood up for him, probably. They obviously would have gotten involved and there would have been a bloodbath. Okay, verse 34, David continues, V'ulam, indeed, Chai Hashem Elokei Israel, as the Lord of Israel lives, and that's Lashon Shua, that's for emphasis, Chai Hashem, as the Lord lives, the same Lord that Mana Me'ara Otach, who prevented me from harming you. That is, it's a miracle you weren't hurt. If I would have went through with this, you would have been hurt. And it's scary to even think about it. David recognizes her importance. So it's a scary thought to think that she would have been caught up in the bloodbath. He's saying, I might have killed you. And then he continues, if you hadn't come quickly and come to meet me, if you hadn't come to meet me, nothing would have been left of Naval by daybreak. And there he says it again, not even a urinator on the wall which sounds kind of crude, but we've seen it used in prophecies before. And he's saying not even a dog would have been left over. So David is explaining how bitter and angry he had been. And he would have killed a lot of people. And now he's saying, I realize now that it wasn't the proper thing to do. And Rabbi Kahana says here that this shows David's greatness. David is a leader who can admit that he's wrong. He doesn't have an ego about it. And he changes his decision. He admits his mistake right here in front of his men. Not always easy to do. And you see the difference here again between him and Saul. When King Saul wanted to kill the Kohanim, and Achimelech made a great argument why he's not guilty of rebelling against the king. He gave all the right reasons. He said all the right things. Saul heard him out, but Saul didn't change his mind. He was rigid. He stuck with his psakalacha that the priests, they have to die 
David, we see he's flexible, he's open, and Avigail is able to convince him, even though he felt so strongly the other way, he hears something that makes sense. He has no ego about it. He changes his decision. Okay, now the final verse of David's speech, it says like this, And David took from her hand what she brought him. Okay, at the end of the day, his men are hungry, they got to eat, and he takes the food from her. And he said to her, Go home in peace to your home. As you see, I have heard your voice. I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm taking your advice. I'm not going to kill you. You can go back home. Rest assured that nothing violent is going to happen. And he finishes the verse saying, which is a bit ambiguous. It's what the priests say, actually, when they bless us. They say, turn his countenance to you. So here, what does it mean when he says to her, excuse me, not panecha, panaych, she's a woman. What does it mean when he says, so the Malbim and the Abarbanel, they say, I totally respect what you said, I respect you, and I hold no grudges. That's what it means, asepanaich. Okay, that's David's response, and after giving it, he tells Avigail that she can go back home now. And so before Avigail goes back home and we see what happens there, I want to mention an expression that both Avigail uses and David uses. When she says to David that the Lord has withheld you from saving yourself with your own hand, Hoshea that is, you were about to do something, you're going to take vengeance with your hand. And David says the same thing in verse 33. Blessed are you who prevented me from coming into bloodshed and avenging myself with my own hand. Hoshia yadili. So David's saying he's blessed that he's not going to take vengeance with his hand. That means he'll leave it to Hashem. He's not going to do it. It's kind of like what he said to Saul. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take vengeance with my hand. But I'll leave it to Hashem because he's got a lots of shlichim. Evil emanates from evil people. I'll let somebody else do it, but I'm not going to raise my hand against you. He said that to Saul as well. And it's kind of interesting that when you look at what's going on with David, all his enemies, they go down without him lifting a finger. He was probably justified to raise his hand against Saul, but he doesn't do it for lots of good reasons. And in the end, the Philistines get to Saul. And we'll see Naval, another enemy of his, is going to drop dead. David doesn't have to lift a finger. And later on, he's going to have problems with Avner Bener, with Ishboshet, who's going to be the king instead of him when Saul dies. And he doesn't take action against them. They're removed from the scene by other people. Now, all through this, his men, B'nai Truria, Yoav and Avishai, as we'll see, they're going to be pushing and initiating and trying to force the issue. They want to take Saul out now. They want to push David through to be the king. Later on, they're going to want to take out Avner because he's also blocking David from being the next king. We'll see that as we go along. We'll see David's men trying to establish facts on the ground and David saying, no, no, don't kill Saul. Don't kill Avner. Don't push it. David's men, led by Yoav, they want to bring the kingdom over to him already. They don't want to wait. But David waits. He doesn't push it. He lets each of his nemesis just fall by the wayside slowly. He's aspiring to establish like a serious, solid malchut, an eternal one, and he doesn't want to push the envelope too far. And he's doing the right thing because if he did kill Saul or do a massacre against Naval, he still would have been king, but he would have been getting a lot of flack for that. He got flack anyway from the Benjaminites. We see Shimon ben Gera cursing him out during the Absalom revolution. You see him blaming David for the demise of Beit Shaul. 
And David didn't do anything to bait Saul. Imagine if he took action and he initiated and was proactive and killed Saul and tried to become the king more forcefully. That's what his men wanted. But no, David's kind of passive through all this. He doesn't kill Saul and he's not going to wipe out Naval either. He wanted to, but Avigal wisely talks him out of it. So today I'm going to cut it short because now Avigal's going back home and all kinds of things are going to happen over there. And so this might be a good time to stop. And let's see next week. We're going to finish the chapter. We'll see what happens when Avigail gets home. A lot's going on over there. And I might be giving it away, but she's going to end up being, by the end of the story, David's wife. Stay tuned. 